0: This is a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. On the 21st of September, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a draft for 300,000 civilians to join the invasion effort. The fallout from this conscription has been remarkable, as between 700,000 to 1 million Russians have fled their homeland since Putin called for the draft. Not all of these people are fleeing the draft, however. Many are migrants, tourists, dissidents, and refugees. What is important is where they're going and whether they can find suitable temporary resettlement until the war is over. Many of those leaving Russia are seeking passage into Europe through border states like Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia and Poland, all of which are vehemently suspicious of these Russians. Latvia's foreign minister tweeted that the country won't give any of these fleeing Russians refuge, adding that those fleeing service were tolerant of their government killing Ukrainians up until now. This begs the question... Where will these Russians go? To discuss this and the downstream geopolitical effects of this mass, of this mass exodus, I spoke with Associate Professor of International Relations Alexander Buch from Tegura Aru Fakamuri, Raponga Fakaro, Matai Turangapu, Meteau, Ao et Teheringa Waka. Here, have a listen. Thousands of Russians are currently leaving their homeland to avoid military duty. Is this reflective of a general consensus in Russia that the war is extremely unpopular and could even be demonstrable of a decline in Putin's prestige and authority?
1: Yes, to a certain extent. And there have been a few uh, polls. And again, we need to remember this. uh, Russia has moved from what used to be, you know, uh, soft authoritarian and then gradually pretty hard, but still authoritarian regime to more or less of a dictatorship starting from uh, February 24th when, you know, the war in Ukraine started. So we're talking about polls conducted, um, you know, under pretty... oppressive dictatorship. But still, uh, the polls that have been conducted show that the, the decline in Putin's support ratings and in support for the war are declining. I think the figures that I saw is that Putin's support, support of President Putin himself, declined from 80% or so to about 70 but the support for the war declined from about 50% to uh, almost single digits. For many Russians, it was up until recently, it was uh, pretty far, you know, events that is happening pretty far didn't affect them. Uh, my friends in Moscow were telling me that life is very much, you know, continues as normal. You know, restaurants were full. Yes, the prices went up a bit and yes, the McDonald's has closed. Chains, international chains have closed and uh, credit cards and all this, this and that. But at the same time, I mean, life has been very much uh, continued as normal in the big cities, in Moscow, in uh, St. Petersburg. Uh, uh, but now now it's basically the war is coming and got to to the houses of, of your average Russian. People are being mobilized, all kinds of people. We see in the social media all kind of anecdotes, uh, which would have been funny, but it's pretty sad of people in a wheelchair receiving those mobilization uh, notices. People, you know, well in their 50s, people with no experience whatsoever, you know, musicians, IT. So yes, public support uh, for the war declined significantly. Our uh, Public support for pre- President Putin himself has declined as well, but but not as drastically as the support for the war effort.
0: Could this mass mobilization of people who do not want to go into the war, who are still in Russia, do you think this could spark an internal conflict which would undermine Putin's authority and even maybe retract the war itself?
1: It's a difficult question. There are all kinds of speculations now, and what we see is all kind of conflicts in there, uh, inside the elite, between uh, people close to Putin. We see the the, uh, the heads of this uh, Wagner private military company suddenly appearing as um, as a political figure. There have been some protests, there have been some demonstrations, most of them are suppressed pretty brutally. But uh, I think at this point, it's a bit too early to say that there there is a dissent brewing inside Russia that could result in, um, you know, in changing the regime. I think it's a bit too early. But there's definitely, I mean, the dissatisfaction is there, dissent is there. At least at this point, I think the regime is pretty much, Putin's regime is pretty much in control of what's happening inside Russia.
0: Moving more to the Western side of things, there's a schism in the European Union on how to deal with these waves of, you know, Russian refugees who don't want to be conscripted into the Ukrainian war. France and Germany seem supportive of allowing these people asylum, but former Eastern Bloc countries such as Latvia, Estonia and Poland are very reluctant to let them in. Is this refusal to let in these Russians due to concerns about internal security or is it more to do with their resentment of Putin and their former
1: ruler, the Soviet Union? I think it's both. I think uh, these countries, uh, the former Eastern European countries or the former communist bloc countries, definitely have this historical memory of being occupied uh, by, I mean, in the case of the Baltic countries, uh, annexed uh, by by the Soviet Union, in the case of Poland, occupied by uh, by the Soviet Union, and there is more historical in case of Poland, I guess, I mean, Finland, for example, was part of the Russian Empire as well, Poland, so there's a bit longer Longer, this longer historical memory of fear of Russia. At least based uh, based on personal experience, I don't think it's directed at Russian people, individuals, but this kind of Russia is an idea. There is definitely this resentment and fear. At the same time, I mean, these countries border Russia, so France and Germany they relatively far, and uh, the Russian. I wouldn't call them refugees. Uh, some are refugees, some are migrants. For them to get to reach uh, Western Europe is much more difficult than to cross the border into neighboring countries. So most of those countries, they stopped issuing tourist visas to Russians. There are still some Russians are making in for a variety of reasons. They have different passports. They have, uh, They happen to have Schengen visa, this and that. The problem or the issue, let's put it this way, with the Russian refugees is much more acute than for Germany and France, which are relatively far away, which are bigger countries as well. And this is also an important uh, thing to remember. So Finland is a country, I think the population is more or less similar to New Zealand. I think it's probably five and a half or six million. Helsinki, which is the capital, has a population of, I think, half a million. Just a bit, well, it's probably Wellington and, you know, in the suburbs in terms of population. You know, in a country like that, when you have in a city like that, like Helsinki, for example, where you have suddenly thousands of people appear uh, they come from, you know, from one country, probably don't speak the language, don't, I guess, in many cases, don't have finances don't have means to support themselves or limited means to support themselves. This could be seen as um, as a potential threat as well. I mean, I think it's understandable. It's probably more so, so, social, political. If we look at countries like Georgia, countries like Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, the government and the people have been quite open and helpful to Russians. I think there were about 200,000 Russians that entered Kazakhstan since over the last couple of weeks. They don't see this as a, as a threat, uh, and actually quite helpful and assisting to the to the Russian those migrants that that, that appear there. Uh, how many uh, they'll be able to absorb, and uh, what will these people do uh, at the end? I mean, I think it remains an open question. Another non-EU
0: supportive country to these fleeing Russians is Turkey. Turkey has received thousands of Russians as early as March when Russia originally invaded Ukraine. Do you think Turkey could be a more viable host for those fleeing service than the EU?
1: I mean, again, what are these people? I think these people come from a variety of uh, backgrounds, and uh, I think some of them, they probably quite wealthy or at least they have enough means, financial means, to sustain themselves for a certain period of time. So for these people, Turkey can definitely be a host. uh, And these people, because Turkey, I mean, cost of living there is cheaper uh, than in European countries. And these people could just, uh, you know, wait it out for a while. The question is how long? And again, I think if Turkey Turkey is still dealing with refugees from uh, Syria, I think there the hundreds of thousands of 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 Syrian refugees uh, in Turkey uh, which were not completely uh the, the issue has not been resolved uh, as well so um again I think it's a matter of numbers and a matter of time but uh, for many Russians who I guess I guess this would be people with you know certain means to sustain I don't think they, they, they're hoping to work there they just seek a relatively cheap place to wait it out and for the, in this situation I think definitely yes Turkey is definitely uh, a place uh for them to go nice weather as well if the european union doesn't let in any of these russians who are avoiding the war
0: will this generate support for putin internally as it would prove that his rhetoric that the west hates russian people is true
1: it will depend on how you know the propaganda masters in in russia will try to spin this i haven't seen any any attempts of them to spin this 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 way so far uh, at least from what i've seen on uh, you know the 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 russian official uh, media I doubt will people will look... They may be disappointment with Europe if this does happen, or with the West. But I doubt this will create kind of, you know, result and lead to support or growing support for the war. Majority of the people were quite apathetic and didn't mind, let's put it this way, the war happening far away from them. But once it starts, uh, it comes home, when it starts affecting the people, you know, and once Russian families will start receiving, you know, coffins of the fathers, uh, brothers, this will, you know, regardless of of whether Europe is welcoming them or not, I mean, I don't think this will, will be followed by an increase in support or growing support for the war.
0: Could this Russian exodus to Europe potentially accelerate a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia and bring an end to this war?
1: I think that unfortunately not. I think that the war or the peace will be decided at the battlefront because at this point, I don't think the sides can negotiate with each other. There's nothing to negotiate about. I think, uh, was it President Zelensky, or uh, uh, President of Ukraine, just signed a few days ago, was it last week, I think, signed um, a decree that uh, prohibits uh, Ukraine. Uh, I think it was him or maybe the parliament. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, it's illegal to negotiate with Putin's uh, Putin's regime, not with Russia, but with Putin's regime uh so any as long as putin is, is the president of russia basically it makes it illegal for uh ukrainian politicians to neg- to negotiate with with his regime i think yes it was after the annexation of you know those four uh provinces this uh, those, uh fake referendums i i don't think uh, there's any room uh, for negotiation at this point and basically until ukraine is uh i mean ukraine pushes you know the russian army Away from its borders from its territory or again and this is a rather unfortunate scenario uh that Ukraine is defeated, then there's no room, there's no possibility for uh for negotiation or for any kind of a peace deal or peace agreement.
0: Thanks for listening to Radio One
1: ninety one FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz